Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. I hope uh, this morning that you came with your Bible, and if you did, I'm going to go ahead and ask you to open it up to John chapter 15. Ironically, we're not going to start there. We're going we're gonna to start a few verses earlier to set the, the context. So I hope you've enjoyed this morning. How many of you got up real crisp this morning? Cool? Yeah. Some of you were like, oh, I hate this. And I woke up and was like, I love it. That means October's coming. Um, <laughs> I figured it up yesterday. It's about six months away, but um, for the rest of you, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm a man of the word, and there's only one place heat is correlated to, and it's not heaven. Um, I'm just playing. Um, heaven's going to be cool, though, probably about 55 degrees most of the time. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what season you're in. Uh, I don't know what season we're in in Georgia. I don't know if it's spring, <laughs> winter. I don't know what season you're in, but I, I do think and grateful that God's got a word for us no matter what season that we're in. Uh, sometimes I think we may come to church and we, we may do the routine. And I, I think, to be honest, sometimes we wonder if anybody notices. <laughs> we wonder if anybody notices our hurt, our brokenness, our tears, and you know, maybe you were like, uh, that, that was real heavy, real fast, so let's go light. Um, but we'll go back there. I thought about, like, yesterday, I'm, I'm, this is a far stretch here, but I'm going for it. This is full sin. I'm hoping for the best. Uh, I am becoming this year. I am becoming this year. Um, I am becoming this year a fan of the Colorado Buffaloes for one reason. University of Colorado, for one reason, because I really like Deion Sanders, and I like his investment in young men. Uh, last year in their spring game, anybody here Colorado fans? I'm, I'm, yeah, I didn't think so. Um, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just all in, Deion Sanders and what he's doing to these young men, and uh, I'm all in. Still pulling for the Florida Gators. Didn't expect to find any connection there. Whoa! Only God could send such a warm voice. Where, where are you at? <laughs> Yeah, I'm hoping our swim team does good or something with football. Uh, yeah, I got sidetracked there, but I'm going back. I'm going all in Colorado. Last year in the spring game, they had 1,900 people there. 1,900 people. Can you imagine playing for University of Colorado, go out to your spring game, and there's a whopping 1,900 people there? But you go out yesterday. <laughs> you go out yesterday, and you walk on that field. Uh, you, if if you know, you know, like Dion's been said, we come, we come. And 47,000 people came yesterday. Now, if you were a Colorado player last year, you didn't think nobody was coming. You, you walked in, them boys walking around and ladies, all the equipment managers, they're all walking around this morning like uh, they saw us. And when you realize that people see you, it makes a very big difference in life. And this is what I want you to know. I didn't expect you to be a Colorado fan. But this is what I want you to know, that God sees you and that you're not overlooked. And so much so that we're going to begin our text with that reminder. Pastor Brian did a, has done and is doing a great job. I'm so grateful for a pastor that lets the text determine his message and not his message or idea determine the text. There is a great difference between those two. Uh, let, me, let me rewind that and tell you what kind of pastoral authority you set in under this church. I'm grateful for a pastor that will teach the text and not let his message pick the text to go along with his message. And so verse by verse this morning, we'll continue on, but Pastor Brian has told us and has taught us last week and over the past few months, literally, as we go through John, he's taught us last week, if, if you can connect with any of these things, I, I just want you to say, I can. If you remember this last week, Pastor Brian said, Jesus is not a supplement 
He's our source. Can you relate to that? Say, I can. Pastor Brian said that we are to, as he was reading the scriptures, he said that we are to abide in Christ and that we bring much glory to the Father by bearing fruit. If you can relate to that, say, I can. You say, what is the fruit that he's talking about here? That right there. Proverbs eleven thirty: the fruit of the righteous is a tree that winneth, uh, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and he that winneth souls is wise. Natalie, I don't know where you're at, but you're wise beyond your years, young lady, to want to be a soul winner at whatever age you are. You have a great example with a mom and dad and a great example of this church before you winning souls. I'm glad you asked about soul winning. We don't hear that word much. It's dated. I'm 48, so I'm okay with being dated at this point. Uh, but this morning, I had the privilege of, 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 of walking in my driveway in tears as Sue Joy sent me a text, and, and, and my phone's down there. But she sent me this text, and it was all these pictures of, of my man, Dwight. You can't go back to India. You can't come back. You, you can't come back. Got literally kicked out of the country. And for 10 years, he's been praying for an open door. And this morning, the report came in that somewhere in, around, probably more at this point, maybe some 55 people have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the fruit that we were saved for. And as we open the word this morning, we get to open the word right up the road. Pastor Jared is sharing with River Bend Baptist Church. We're partnering with them just as a, you, you know, churches are like we're family. Like we're not competing. We want to complete the mission of getting the gospel out and equipping people to do ministry. And Pastor Jared's doing that for the next seven weeks at River Bend. So as we open the word this morning and we learn to abide in him, know that around the world this morning, whether it be in India or right up the road across from Johnny's Barbecue, a few of our eight there, is River Bend Baptist Church, and we're opening the word there as well. So, but back to Colorado. Last year, they felt overlooked. Now ESPN, they're the highlight story probably this morning. They won, by the way, yesterday. <laughs> Some of you will pick up on that later. Um, great start to the season. Uh, I don't know how it's going to go against Oregon, but we're going to have hope. Um, but here you go. Yeah, Oregon's not USC. Things like that don't sound good if you're a Colorado fan. But you got to understand the text we're looking at this morning and the context it was in because um, you may be in a season of uncertainty. You may be in this room sitting right beside someone and they have no idea what you're going through. And so if that's you this morning, I just want you to know that if you're going through seasons of uncertainty, that the word has a word for you today. And it's in John chapter 14, verse one. You ready? John chapter 14. We just got to paint the background. We're not studying in John 14. I just want to paint the background for you. Jesus is telling his disciples, like, let not your heart be troubled. And so if he's telling his disciples, don't let your heart be troubled, Surely in his sovereign wisdom, he knows that they're troubled. And they're troubled because their expectations are about to be shattered. Because here's a man that, they, that they've walked with, they've learned from, they've seen him do miraculous things, and he's talking about going away. And I don't know what exactly they had in mind, but I think they probably thought that there was going to be this earthly kingdom established that one of them was going to be like the MVP of these Christ followers, and things are just going to be beautiful, and Jesus is saying, <laughs> it, ah, it's not going to work out like you think it is. But don't let your heart be troubled. And so what I want to encourage you with this morning is, and remind you with this morning, uh, maybe you've got a phone call this week. Maybe, you, maybe you've gathered some information that you didn't have previous to this week, and you're disappointed, and you're frustrated, and you're angry, and things are not working out the way you thought they should work out, and I have a word for you this morning. Don't let your heart be troubled. <laughs> your circumstances do not determine the final word. 
the Lord Jesus Christ determines the final state of a believer's life. And your circumstances right now, listen, don't let them dictate your emotions. You say, Greg, nobody knows. Nobody knows what I found out this week. Nobody knows what I saw this week. As a parent, nobody, 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 nobody. Nobody saw what Sarah Grace and I saw last night. And she said, Dad, I don't understand it. And we were looking at something on the, you just go with me. And I sat at a red light looking at Instagram with someone that, that I know, not a family member, but someone I know. I didn't expect to see that. And so maybe you came this morning and you're in a season of uncertainty. I got good news for you. Jesus is ready to meet you this morning in the midst of your uncertainty and your pain and your frustration. And some of these people in this room, in this setting, are going to deny him. They're going to be cussing people out in just a few hours. And he said, don't let your heart be troubled. I'm with you. And listen, if he be for you, no one can be against you. And I just want you to know this morning that you're loved. You don't have to let your heart be troubled. And to paint the landscape, if, if we need to any further, some of you this morning may feel like you need counseling. You may have been to counseling. And when you walked out of the counseling session, you thought, I just need more. I just need to understand more. I just, I just, I just need to know more. My wife and I have certainly been in those seasons ourselves where we've worked with couples and I know they need more when they leave us and we've certainly been in those situations where we've been with a counselor and we leave and we look at each other in the car and we cry because we need more. We just want more. And Jesus said to these men in this room, hey, I'll be your counselor. And so whatever you're experiencing this morning, know that the Lord Jesus Christ is able to meet you right where you're at. And some of you feel abandoned. John chapter 14, verse 18 in this room, listen to what he says. So it makes me think that when I read this background setting of the upper room discourse, he's, he's telling the men in this room, I'll not leave you as orphans, I'm coming to you. So in this passage, he's talking to a group of men, Chase, that think he's leaving them, that he's walking away from them. And he says, I'm not going to leave you. If I leave, I'm going to send someone greater even that's going to live within you. I can't live within you, but I'm going to send the spirit of truth. And he's going he's to live in you. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. And so I heard the story this morning. And Pastor Jared often says, hey, keep your ear to the ground. Greg, listen, listen, listen. And I heard that story about the father, an absent father. You know, I don't have an earthly father to go to. I didn't know my father. I met him one time. But I'm grateful that when I came to meet the Lord Jesus Christ, he does not, will not, and has not left me as an orphan. His spirit's inside of me, and he guides me. And some of you literally physically don't have a father, or your dad's walked out on you, and you think nothing can go right from this point on. And I want to tell you this morning, he's not going to leave you as an orphan. And that's the context that we're reading in this morning. And so if he says, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan, know this, that he's with you. And Lori, when we don't have all the answers, I want you to know that he promises to be our counselor. It doesn't mean we have all the answers today, but it does mean that we're going to abide in him. He's going to abide in us, and we're going to bear much fruit. Now, are we okay with that part of the introduction? I just wanted to let everybody come to the table and know where we're at. Are we good with that? Maybe you feel the weight of divorce, singleness, being a widow. I want you to know in John 14, 23, by the way, he said, hey, if you love me, my father and I will come make our home with you. Sometimes what we need is more than a change of circumstance. We need a change of residence in our life, and we need to ask and invite the Lord Jesus Christ to come into our situation because he's more than able and more than willing to. And so I want to encourage you with that. So let's go to our text this morning that Pastor Brian led us to last week. Now, are we there? 
John chapter 15, verse 9. Listen to what he's telling these disciples, building off of what we were taught last week. As the Father has loved me, I've loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Are you tracking with me? We had to paint the landscape to know where we're at in the upper room. Now we, now we have to, to, to share the story that Christ is sharing with his disciples. And he said, as the fathers loved me, I've loved you. You know, sometimes you just need to know that you're loved. And so the word to you this morning from the scripture is, is that Jesus loves you. His love for you is never going to change. It's never going to be greater. It's never going to be lesser than it is this moment. Do you, did you hear what I said? It's never going to be greater and never going to be lesser than it was this morning. It's very important, foundational, that you understand that. That God's love for you is unconditional, it's unlimited, and it's unending. That's his measure of love for you. No matter how big the mistake. No, no matter how ginormous the decision. His love is unending, it's unlimited, and it's for you. And he's reminding these disciples that I want you to, listen, as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Remain in my love. So what he's telling them is, in this situation in life where you're about to be disappointed, you're going to be discouraged. In this situation, I want you to remain or abide in my love. Stay in place. Listen, when, I'm, when, you, when you see me slaughtered, and that's what he was, 2 Corinthians 8, 9. That's, that's how he's described it. He's saying, fellas, when you, when you look at me and you see them, when you see, Peter, I know you're going to grab a sword and you're going to chop a dude's ear off, which would have been messy, by the way. Um, but when you see all of these things and you see, them, you see them drag me away, listen, when you see them beat me, when, when you see me bleed profusely and take my last breath and turn a pale blue color on the cross, when you see all of this, hey, I, abide in my love. Remain, listen, stay there like it's not over. And so sometimes in, in life we have to look at and we have to gaze at the Lord Jesus Christ and his love for us to get us through the very day that we're walking through. Amen? So in, verse, in, in this verse he's saying, hey, I want you to remain in my love. I want you to abide in my love. And that's the invitation to us today. Breland and I were talking early this week. It was fun just to have a conversation with someone that's um, much less than half my age, by the way. And so Breland and I said, hey, let's read this text together. And I just, I just want to know from someone like significantly younger than me, like, what do you hear when we read this? And so we sat down and, and read at the table. And, and this is what she said. She pulled up one of the devotions, ironically, that I guess she had read uh, just a few days ago. And she said, Greg, like when I read this passage, like I, like I see Jesus inviting these men into relationship with him. And I was like, oh, that's so good. Because I didn't see all of what you're seeing. And, and, and she read a piece of a devotion and it said this, when the disciple of Jesus fails to abide in his love, fails to keep his commandments, he or she will ultimately not experience the fullness of joy that is promised. You see, when we don't abide in his love, we lose connection. And you know how important connection is, right? <laughs> I mean, if we go anywhere and we're not connected, we're what? Distraught. And so what Jesus is inviting these men to do and what he invites us to do, men and women alike today at Chestnut Mountain Church, is he invites us, the invitation's on the table, for us to abide in his love. Like get carried away in his love. Don't forget how much he loves you. He loves you unconditionally. Did you know that? That's his love measurement for you. And then he says, if you keep my commands, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, but just as I've kept my father's commands and remain in his love. Now, I know it's so out of pocket today to command anyone to do anything. Like we don't like being told what to do, right? Oh, don't look at me like that. <laughs> I could share stories where, yeah, I could share stories that would fully explain how sometimes we just don't like being told what to do. And I don't think this is like Jesus saying, I told you so. Like, he knows what's connected with obedience. 
because he's been walking obedient to the Father. And he's been abiding in the Father's love. And here's some commandments. I want you to think about some of the commandments that he might be talking about here. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. What's some of the commandments when we think back over Scripture? What are some of them? What are the some of them that he's commanded us to do? He's commanded us to what? Love one another. He said greater love, John 13, 34, and 35. Greater love. He said a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you. By this, all will know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. Now, it's interesting here that this love is connected, but it has, we, when we think love, a lot of times we think about that agape love, which is real. But in this type of love he's talking about here, it's an, it's an agapeo type love that has like a social or moral connection. And literally what Jesus is saying is, I love you personally I want you to abide in that love, and when you do abide in that love and you obey my commands, you're going to love other people. That's why tears were shared there. You know why? Because they loved that person whom they were baptizing, and there was probably much prayer, and so I want to encourage you this morning to abide in his love, but also abide in his commandments. And look what he says in, in verse 11. He said, I've told you these things. How many of you have children in here? Some of you are embarrassed. You're like half up. <laughs> but you know my kids. I think one of my child, children are here. I don't think both of them. We had prom last night. We may be. So Sarah Grace Worley is right here. Sarah, raise your hand. Woo! One of the most encouraging girls. Um, Nora, I don't know if Nora made it this morning. Um, yeah, prom, you know, late night. Um, yeah, I'm an infidel, whatever. Um, so here's, here's the deal though. I, I'm, I'm trying to think on Sarah Grace because I got to really think hard to, to think of the story, but let's just say it's, it's in children's nature. Like I remember the girls were riding a box and they would learn to ride their bikes. And I'd say, girls like what at the campground, I'd say, Hey, I want you to stay in this circle. Okay. And they were really good. They were like circling up for like one minute. No, your kids don't do that. It's just mine. Um, but, but then, like, maybe they come around the second time, <laughs> and, uh, like, maybe, I'm just saying possibly, possibly one or both of my children may now be on a circle in a side road somewhere. And I'm like, I told you to stay in the circle. Like, well, <laughs> we meant to, but we got distracted. No, you didn't. <laughs> And so I wonder, I wonder if in a father's perspective, Jesus is, maybe he's saying, I've, I've told you these things, I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be incomplete. I'll tell you how hard it is sometimes for us to grasp this truth. If I were to ask you what was the last two things I told you, you'd be like, huh? The last two things we've talked about is significance is abide in his love and what? Obey his commands. And he said, if you do, like if you do, if you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love. They go together. First John 2, 3 says that they go together so significantly that it validates your relationship with Jesus Christ. First John chapter 2, verse 3. I think it was on the screen. If it's not, I'll, I'll pull it up for you. First John chapter 2, verse 3 says, and by this we know that we know him if we pray a prayer. By this, we know that we know him if we're baptized. By this, we know that we know him if we obey his commands. That's one of the ways. By this, we know that we know him if we abide in his love. Mm -hmm. By this, we know that we love him if we obey his commands. Mm -hmm. By this, we know that we know him because we share the gospel and celebrate when people are saved. Mm -hmm. I never will forget it, not... And you can put this on a side note. It has nothing to do with the message. I shouldn't tell you, but I want to tell you. It's just trivial knowledge. Do you know in Acts chapter 6, verse 7? In Acts chapter 6, verse 7, Cason, it's the craziest thing that, that Jesus, some reason, allowed to be recorded in Scripture in Acts chapter 6, verse 7, that as, as 
these believers were going about teaching and the word of God was spreading that a great number of priests became obedient to the faith. Just know this, trivial for, for just minds that want to know more. You know you can be religious and not know Jesus. Do you know you can know all the right things and never obey God? For me at 19 years old, when I had a good friend, a faithful man that was an evangelist, when was the last time you heard that word, that gave his life for going all around the world and sharing the gospel with people, looked at me square in the eye and he said, Greg, do you have a desire to follow and obey Jesus? I was like, huh? Greg, do you have a desire to open God's word and read it and follow it? Like, Greg, have you ever opened your Bible and had something so stirring in your heart that you wanted to share other people with other people what the Lord Jesus Christ has done in your life, how he's made you a new creation, and how old things were old and new things are new, and you were dead and you were alive? Have you ever shared that with anybody, Greg? Huh? Well, no. But I had prayed a prayer twice. I'd been baptized twice, but I had no new nature living inside of me. And friend, when you come to Christ on his terms and you follow his commands, you will experience things that only he can give you. Some of you are looking for your circumstances to change. Circumstances are not your source of joy. Only Jesus is your source of joy. And that's what he's telling these men here because they want everything inside of them to change. And Jesus is saying, abide in my love, Abide in my word, obey me, and I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you. That word joy is, is it literally, if you could work with me, let's, let's see how good we are in Greek. You ready? I'm not good, by the way, so we'll do it good together. That root word means kara. Kara. Say it together. Kara. And that word kara is, listen, this is literally what it means. It is, it is, it is found, it does mean joyful, but, it, but it's a word that carries, not only does it carry joy, it understands where its root source comes from. And our root source of joy is not a new set of circumstances. Our root, our root of true joy is only found in Jesus Christ. That's why he said, I've spoken to these things that your joy, listen to what he says, my joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete or full. You say, okay, Greg, I get it. I'm going to abide in Christ. I'm, I'm going to abide in his love. I'm going to keep his commandments. That's pretty easy, right? <laughs> Wrong. So, so why don't we abide at times so well, and, and why don't we have much joy at times? I think for a number of reasons. One is we get discouraged. I think about one gentleman this past year that was so discouraged, and he said, Greg, I know I want to follow Christ, but I've, I've made so many bad mistakes. I, I think I've placed my faith in Christ. I think the Holy Spirit's living inside of me. Um, but if all this is real, there's no way I'd be doing what I did just last week. I said, dude, it's okay. Like, there's grace for you. There's love for you. And to be honest with you, there's cleansing for you. Like, you don't need to confess what you did to me. Just confess it to the Lord Jesus. Like, confess it. He's already forgiven you if you call on him to save you. Of past, present, and future sins. I said, confess your sins to him. And I had the privilege this same year to listen to a report of great news that's been shared around the world from his life. Literally around the world. Because his confession and abiding in Christ's love and, and finding the joy that only Christ can offer. Maybe you're here this morning and you're discouraged. Maybe you got a lot of regrets, a lot of mistakes. Hey, don't let that, don't let that change your opportunity to abide in him today. Because the invitation is on the table. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be made complete in you. So why is it so hard? Sometimes we get discouraged. Sometimes we get distracted. Anybody here get distracted? Yeah, maybe. 
I wonder if you knew, and you can look later to, to validate, the average American right now spends about three hours a day on one specific tool that if you lose, you would go. Like 75% of people say that if they lose their phone, they're like, ah. of the people spend three hours a day on their phone. 2,500 touches, types, texts, or swipes every day from each of us. Like, that's a lot. Yeah, it's designed that way. Here's what I want you to hear from, this is the vice president of user growth at Facebook. This is a published study from Harvard University. Fairly trustworthy source. Pretty liberal, but trustworthy in some sources. The vice president of Facebook user growth said this to a group of Stanford University students, I believe it was in 2018. He said, I feel tremendous guilt for exploiting consumer behavior. This dopamine-driven feedback loops that we've created We're destroying our society. We have learned to leverage neural circuitry used by the brain, the natural pathways. It's it's the same as slot machines. It's the same as, hold on. You're like, Craig, there's no way. Like you're saying like, we can be distracted like maybe on purpose and maybe by design. Well, sure. And so if you've noticed, like maybe you, I don't know, maybe you're new to the whatever platform you're using. Um, and on some platforms, I'll be careful here, on some platforms, like when you post something like, boom, you'll immediately get like 20 likes maybe, if you're lucky. And then if you've noticed, the longer you've posted, you might be like, oh, I wonder why that is. Like, what's wrong? And you keep trying to refresh. And then you notice and this was was one of the admissions in this study, you'll notice that it's like an hour later and you have 20 likes. But in 90 minutes, you have 47. And you're like, oh, yes, I'm glad they saw that. It's programmed that way. Because when your mind, when it gets affirmed, it's almost like eating a, it's almost like eating something with great satisfaction. Like when I eat something and I'm greatly satisfied with my body, releases this small micro amount of dopamine. And when that happens, there's a good sensation. And so these programmers of the platforms that you're using know exactly the algorithms and how your brain works. And they've programmed them to give you these little micro bursts, these little micro bursts of approval and acceptance and likes and loves. And you're so carried away with it that this is all you see. And what I want you to know and what other universities are learning right now is that there is a great source of depression in population me when it's only you you're concerned about. And all of you're like, oh, Greg Steele, man. You, you're so old-fashioned. You're, do you know why all of the like notifications, do you know why, do you know why like they're red at times? Yeah, because your brain stops at red. That's why a stop sign's red. You'll never overlook a red sign. You're you're wired that way. That's why warning signs in a cockpit of your car or an airplane, they're not yellow, they're not yellow, they're not yellow, they're not orange, they're red because your brain stops there. And I think the enemy of your soul knows that I can't make them devious and if I can't get them to do terrible things, I can keep them distracted long enough that they, they, they won't take time to glance at what God has in store for them. So it's so hard sometimes to walk in this truth because we're distracted. And if you're here distracted this morning, that's okay. You can abide in his love. There's nothing gonna be magic out of this message that makes you undistracted, but I'll tell you one practical thing that Louis said at Passion City a few years ago that maybe it'd be helpful to you. Maybe you could turn your notifications off. Forever, I don't know, maybe in the afternoon. Maybe in the morning. Maybe when you start to go to bed. I don't know. But maybe that'd be a step to a little less distraction. Amen? I don't understand how we're the most connected people in the world 
And yet our teenagers are facing the same level of anxiety and depression as those in their last days of their life. That's what we've inherited. Can I just be real a moment? It's not good when you're in a place where people want to end their life because they're so miserable. They're like, Greg, I I know. I've been there. I've, I've sat in those places. I don't want you to go there. For the love of God, abide in him. He has so much more for you than what you're going to get from. Listen, don't exchange his love for a like. Don't exchange it. Don't build your life on it. There's going to be a very planned, uh, so I'm just giving you like, this is like a, a infomercial. There's, there's going to be a real separation for me in the next few months to where I'm going to lay the, I'm not telling you to lay yours down. Remember, I said I'm laying mine down. I'm going to put mine away for a while. Like I'm not toting it, it's not on, it's off. Because if I studied, I realized it breaks my heart. How many times I'm just distracted? Don't be distracted. It can cost you great amounts of joy. Don't hear what I did not say. I didn't tell you if you have a phone and you're on Instagram, you're evil and you're going to a bad place. I just said sometimes, whatever your platform of choice, mine's Instagram. That's why I said that. I enjoy sharing stories and following fishermen. Let's just lighten up a second. I enjoy a good fishing story, but listen, we just can't allow those things to be distracting, and we can't find our self-worth in those. Okay, let's move on. Praise the Lord. Dopamine is a powerful chemical that God's given you for very good reasons, but it's not made to be depleted on a daily basis, which leads to anxiety and depression. This is my command that you love one another as I've loved you. No one has greater love than this than to lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends if you do what I command you. This is what I want to ask you this morning. Jesus gave us the commandment to love one another. I just want to, in your neighborhood, in your neighborhood, do others see Jesus in you? Do others hear Jesus in you? Do others feel the touch of God through you? Do others hear the message of his love on your lips? No greater love than this, than you lay down your life for your friends. Do you know why Dwight Joy hopped on a plane, went around the world, and went to India to share the gospel after he was told never to come back again? Because that's what Jesus did. He left his place of comfort, came to a place that would cost him his life ultimately, and he did it because of the Father's love. Do you know that's why we had a team go to Cambodia a few weeks ago? Some over 20, I think 23 members went from here and went to Cambodia and went to the bush and endured the humidity, praise the Lord, because they wanted to love other people like Jesus loves those people. There'll be a group of people leave here and go to Nepal in a few weeks and go around the world and eat things they don't want to eat, stay places they don't want to stay because they love people. I want to ask you this question. Are you loving other people? I mean, joy, the, the source of joy, we used to hear this a lot. The source of joy is, if you get this priority right, if you put Jesus first, others second, and yourself last, you have the potential to tap into the love and joy that only God can offer. Think about your schedule this week. Is it yourself? And if I have time, I'll hang out with some other people. And Jesus, the source of joy is only found in Christ. And maybe when we look at his life, we find him placing others. We see him pursuing the Father. We see him pursuing other people and then laying his life down on our behalf. The great commission and this great commandment to love other people is woven together. They're inseparable. And Jesus is telling us, hey, I want you to abide in my love. I want you to obey my commandments he said, I don't call you friends anymore, but I call you servants. 
I don't call you servants anymore. I call you friends. That word servant could be used as the word slave. How many of you have ever had things broke before? Like, you ever had anything broke? Maybe it's just my house where things break. But um, So if something breaks, or I don't know, maybe if you're a student, maybe something doesn't work on your phone. Um, like if something doesn't work on my phone, I immediately call Sarah Grace. And I say, Sarah Grace, what in the world? And she, she was like, Dad, you're an idiot, moron. Here you go, fix it. Um, but we all know somebody, right? So if I need technological help, uh, I'll ask Sarah Grace. Um, if the AC breaks, I'll, I'll, I'll call for help. If my car breaks, I'll call for help. Everybody knows somebody, right? Well, when was the, have, have you, can everybody relate? If everybody knows somebody, when you've heard of people's lives being broken and torn apart, do you know somebody? That could help them? Or do you like walk on to the next project? That's what, it, that's what happens when you abide in him. He abides in you. His joy is in you. Your joy is full. When you see broken things, you know somebody. And you can't wait to share it. That's the fruit that remains. That's the fruit that we were created for. And so I want to encourage you to abide. The Bible says this, and I want to encourage you to love this morning. Some of you need to love like you've never loved before. Hear me, some of you need to go where you would never go before. Some of you should go to Nepal because you know you should go. I know you're behind on your missions, on your meetings. I, I know, I get all that. But your obedience is the most important thing. You should go. Maybe if you can't go in 23, you say, God, I'll go. Like, I'll go. I'll go in 24. Some of you should go into ministry. You've been told to go in ministry time and time and time and time and time and time and time again. Hear me. Some opportunities have expiration dates. Don't miss it. Some of you should give your life in service to a king because he's invited you to. Don't miss it. The commands of Jesus were not only to abide in his love, but it was also to believe in him. And some of you, your greatest next step would be to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Just to surrender and say, I, look, I don't need anything else in life. I simply need Jesus. The Bible says in Romans 13, 8, to owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. And we should not live debt free when it comes to the category of love for others. We should love extravagantly like he's loved us. Amen? I want you to know this. Look what he said to his disciples. I got to close. He said, I've made known to you everything. Listen, you did not choose me, but I chose you. He's telling these men in the upper room, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be hurt. You're going to be fearful. You're going to be afraid. You're going to face anxiety when you see me in a few hours. But just remember this, I chose you, you didn't choose me. This would have turned the Jewish culture upside down because in this time, if you wanted to follow a rabbi, you would have, you would have sought them out and you would have told that rabbi that, hey, I wanna follow you. And in this case, just like Jesus to turn the religious world upside down, he said, the rabbi is coming for you <laughs> and I've chosen you. And so if you've chosen to believe and you've chosen to repent and believe and place your faith in Christ, know this, that long before you chose him, he chose you. It's a two-handed truth that this platform doesn't have time for this morning, but just know this, he loves you. He chose you. Things may not look like you want them to look right now, but know this, he chose you. And it is a special thing to be chosen by the mighty hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? There is, in this country, one million football players in 2023. Oh, there will be in 2023. A little over one million is projected. Out of those one million high school football players, about 7% of them at the end of their high school will be chosen to play on an NCAA team. This is where it gets interesting. Out of those 1 million players, about 2.9% of them will play at a Division I school. Interesting thing is on any given Sunday, we have some of that percentage sitting with us, which is really interesting. 
But only 1.6% of those players will ever be chosen to play at another level. This Thursday, anybody know what this Thursday is? Oh, yeah. The NFL draft will open up, and it's going to welcome potentially 259 new players. I mean, they're sitting on the edge of their seat hoping they'll be selected to play football. And their whole life depends on it. Here's what I want you to know. Greater than any NFL selection campaign is this, is that you've been selected by the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to abide in his love and obey his commands today. It's the greatest, it's the greatest privilege you'll ever have in life to place your faith and follow Jesus Christ. It's the greatest privilege you'll ever have. You, you may not have a father. He won't leave you as an orphan. You may not have a counselor. You may have seen a counselor. You may need more. Some of you may say, well, I remember sharing this. I think I shared with Chase a few weeks ago, a gentleman that I'd shared the gospel with. He said, Greg, I don't believe in the God that you talk about. I don't believe that there's a God in heaven that my sister would give birth to her child and a few moments later die and there'd be a childless, there'd be a motherless child there. I don't believe in that God. I said, I get it. I, I want you to know this, Blake. God loves you deeply. I can't explain what happened to your sister. I just know that he loves you deeply and I know we live in a fallen world. Bad things happen. And bad things happen to good people. He loves you. I didn't knock him upside the head. I didn't have Bible studies with him. I didn't have devotions with him. A few years later, he said, Greg, I want to place my faith in Christ. And so he did. I wish I could tell you the story ended better. It actually got worse. And I thought about Kaylee this morning as I, as I looked at her story on the ground and it said, for someone, be a living example of a loving God. And what I want to invite you to do today is to be a living example of a loving God to the people around you. It may, it may be like Harley. You may just be kind to people that move in next to you and just say, hey, I'm, I'm your neighbor. Carter, that was her husband that sung this morning. They've just chosen to be gracious to people that move in their neighborhood. Do you know that we've had people that, that positionally, like physically, have got closer to Jesus because of someone in a home that just looked out and reached out to their neighbor, maybe offered them something sweet? I just want you to be a living example of a loving God. I don't know how much time we got, but we need to make the most of it while we have time. Amen? So I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd close your eyes and I want to remind you maybe of a, a hymn you haven't heard in a long time. I'm not going to sing it. I simply want to read the words of it. But from her childhood, a young lady, Louisa Steed, she sensed the call to missionary service. She was born in Dover, England and converted at the age of nine. She came to the United States in 1871, living in Cincinnati. She attended a camp meeting in Ohio where she dedicated her life to missionary service. She initially fell ill and couldn't serve and she was married in 1875 and they had a daughter named Lily. One person describes a major turning point in the family's life. When Louisa and her husband were enjoying a long day at Sunny Beach at Long Island Sound, New York, while eating their picnic lunch, they heard cries of help and spotted a drowning boy in the sea. Mr. Steed, her husband, charged into the waters as often happens. However, the struggling boy pulled Mr. Steed, the rescuer, under the water with him and both drowned 
before the terrified eyes of a wife and daughter. Out of her wine, struggling with God during the days that ensued, glowed these meaningful words from the soul of Louisa Steed. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word. And so, Lord, for us this morning, may we take you at your word. May we abide in your love. May we obey your commandments. And Lord, may we honor you with our lives and be a living example of a loving God to those around us. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org and don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.